3: Welcome to the five year plan. Great start, Cameron making his presence known early doors. Uh, it's the pod extra, first pod extra of 2022 after Palace lost uh, a thrilling but ultimately disappointing uh, game, 3 2 to West Ham. Uh, and I'm delighted to say that we have Cameron Sutherland joining us on the podcast. Hello, cam What did you make of that West Ham game?
0: he uh he's got nothing to say his facial expressions are one of constipation so i think that probably speaks (laughs) well that's
3: about right yeah that's pretty pretty much sums up most i had
2: the the same feeling waiting for
0: goals (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly
3: uh rob great to have you on the podcast um how are you
0: i'm good i'm good we've kind of broken the camel's back with his sleep pattern a little bit and he's he's a little bit easier to manage now so um but yeah, we're 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 doing okay. We're doing okay. I'm tired, obviously. I think no one ever really. Whenever someone tells you that parenthood is one of the, is the most exhausting thing you'll do, you don't really listen until it actually happens to to you yourself. So it's been a, it's been quite the experience. But he's a he's a lovely little lad, and he's trying to say hello now. Are you oh. saying anything? or Are you going camera shy? Yep, there you go. That's from so hello. I thought yeah. that was a really good contribution from
3: him. But <laughs> well, he's really he's really getting involved now. Um, he is, yeah.
1: It's he's lovely got a voice. to have you, lovely to have you both on the podcast.
3: Uh, Dom Firefield's also here. Happy New Year, Dom.
1: Thank you, JD. I am now the father of a teenage. Boy, as of this morning. Can I just say for listeners, you are saying this with your head in your hand. I don't really, yeah, I can't really compute. (laughs) I really can't compute on this. Anyway, there you go. Happy New Year, everybody. Nice to be back.
3: Yeah, we have actually, I think on this podcast, got the spectrum of childhood, because I've got a two-year-old, and Adam, I think. Uh, Bella is now what, 23 or just
2: or 20, 23, or yeah, 23. We've got yeah. the whole spectrum. So, I'm, any, I'm any passed, questions, have, we can cover problems. it. Yeah, yeah. I was say, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure that uh, Dom's ready for a bit of that's so unfair coming his way the <laughs> next few years. But, uh, <laughs> it's the five year <laughs> parent cast, isn't it? Yeah, yeah exactly. It's not, uh, yeah, I was going to say, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I was actually a lucky parent because I didn't really have any bad spells or anything with my kids. She was painfully shy as a kid and barely spoke. The, the time she came out of her shell was about 16 when the, the school, in you know, all credit to them really, recognised that she, uh, she needed to sort of bring herself on a bit. So they gave her the part of Sandy in Greece in the school production and made her sing. Uh, in front of a thousand people, two nights oh in a right, row, which uh, changed her very, you know, very positively in terms of, uh, you know, bringing it out of herself and sort of making her a, 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 the person that she is. Really, I suppose. So uh, there uh, you
3: go. As I've always said, uh, anything can be fixed with musical theatre. So that, there you uh, go.
2: I mean, it's, it's understandable she'd be painfully shy with me as her father because of the <laughs> sort of. Uh, Yes. <laughs> it's the wrong model that
3: she's got. Yeah, you're quite a shy
2: individual, Adam. I've always That's it always exactly.
3: That. Um, shall we talk about uh, Palace's New Year's Day game, uh, Rob? It, it followed kind of the similar pattern that we've seen this season with Palace. Certainly at home, hasn't it? You know, Palace on the front foot, early doors, don't make the pressure count. Although to be fair, we have sort of been doing that this season a few times. But go behind, a second half rallying, and actually, for once, it wasn't enough. Uh, and I most fans seem to have left the ground fairly content despite the defeat, but at least there was a performance there. How did you leave the ground? I know you weren't there, but how did you feel afterwards?
0: I felt, I felt like it was it, it was one of those games where we did we did a lot of the play. Like we 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 had the majority of the football. I thought we created the best chances of the match and just didn't it just didn't we didn't get the run the rub of the rubber the green really. I thought the um the the schluck chance that hit the post right at the start. The you know that there was the I think oh, I'm trying to remember honestly being half tired is is not the best thing to remember these things but um, but yeah the slup chance was probably the the one that that really hit home but there were there were other opportunities sluppy again I thought he had a really good game um, and then as is always the case with Palace there's just a little bit I, th- I feel like for all the good things our defence does they're just not aggressive enough when it comes to being like clearing the ball, and I think Gay, for example, lost lost Miko Antonio. It was a really good cross, but you end up with Anderson missing the flight of the ball um, and then uh, then Miko Antonio getting on on the end of that cross, and then for the second goal you 've got that moment of kind of slightly kind of lackadaisical midfield play from from Will Hughes, which then loses possession. Uh, Joel Ward is caught out of position a little bit with, I, think, I can't remember who it was, uh, Benzema when he was crossing it in. It just, the whole thing just kind of, the three mistakes lead to a goal and that's that kind of happened with Palace. But it, they didn't really get the rub of the green, I thought. I thought Palace were unfortunate really. Adam, I mean, we,
3: we need to obviously uh, I think all agree that West Ham are a very good team. This is not West Ham of a couple of years ago. West Ham are an excellent team. at the moment. They've got some superb players. I thought Declan Rice was brilliant. I actually think he's one of the most underrated midfielders in the country. I think it's superb. They're a very, very good team. And so if you give a good team like that, you know, a couple of half chances, they are going to make them count. But Rob is right. I mean, on match today, they were going through the analysis for the first goal. Wardy doesn't quite, IU doesn't, it was something in the right position. Wardy doesn't come out quick enough to cross from Lanzini. So that leads to the first goal. Second goal, Rice is allowed to run through the midfield. And it's just, it's snap. Decisions like that that obviously ultimately lose you the game. But this wasn't this wasn't a straightforward home game. West Ham are a very very good team, and they will make you they will make you pay.
2: I thought we were very very good, very very good. Probably as good as considering the players we had out. Probably the best we've played in terms of chance creation in the season. I would say. I mean, our xG was higher than uh, West Ham. One for you, Andy Street. But the, you know, I, I, I've i got to say, J.D., I, I thought we were absolutely fantastic, apart from the sort of 10-minute spell in the first half where West Ham had sort of suddenly started pressing us very high and we lost our way a little bit in that in that spell. And there were a few mistakes. But, you know, Slappy hitting the post, Edward hitting the bar, you're 3 nil down at half-time instead of it being... 3-2 yeah. at worst to be honest and it was in stark contrast to to the Norwich game on Tuesday where we had three shots on target in the first half and they all went went in and everybody said it was a a comfortable a comfortable 3-0 victory but in truth i haven't checked but it appeared to me that we created many 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 more chances yesterday than the Norwich game and uh, and you know should have we should have won the game yesterday. In all honesty, we've ended. You know, you're three 0 down. Going, this is a bit freaky. I'm not quite sure what's gone on here, but this is football.
0: I mean, this it is what happens: ruthless finishing. Mm-hmm. And it was like the um, it was like the Leicester game. I thought if 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 yeah. if we'd have if we'd have gone in at half time two 0 down, we'd have ended up repeating what happened in the Leicester match. I thought. Mm. You know, it's 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 one of those where we had all the we had the best the better of the play the better chances, the better shots. The, I think we had next G of something like tw- 2.26 compared to West Ham's two. So technically, you know, we had a we, we, we had better opportunities. I think it was higher than that. It might have been 2.7 yeah, be right. something. It yeah. might be, I think. But Yeah, so but essentially I, I, three, we should have scored three and we didn't. And I mean, yeah.
2: There were a lot of good displays, a lot of things to be very positive about. The only disappointment was the result, really. And, um, you know... It, it's been a a season where I think there's been quite a lot of games where we've achieved less than we should have done given our performance, which is probably your only real sort of frustration of the season. When we talked the other day, I said that to you, you know, that we've done well, but we should have done a little better in, in many ways because I don't think we've had many points in the season that I can think of. Or I've thought, oh, we got away with one there Or we were really lucky there Or whatever But there's been quite a lot of occasions Where I've come away thinking We deserve more than that from that game today And yesterday was one of them There were so many good performances You know, and again I'm sure we'll come on As as we go through and talk about Different things But, you know I I think that Every time there's a there's a defeat. You know, everybody's looking for sort of scapegoats, and Luca seemed to be the scapegoat yesterday with the fan base, which was really disappointing to see, particularly in the stadium when people were sort of jeering him when he's passing the ball or, or, or so on. And I haven't seen the second goal back in the full detail. I thought Luca might have overcommitted himself slightly uh in in the press, you know, too high up the pitch, and that, that allowed them to sort of um come on to us a bit too easily. But I would um I would say that, you know, I don't I don't like this this sort of new thing almost, you know, a side of the game that appears to to have come into our fan base where Anybody who's been here a little while seems to come under the cosh, whether they're the goalkeeper, whether they're Luka Milovojevic, whether they're Wilfred Zahar and so on, Jordan Ayew, you know, a few weeks ago. And again, Jordan Ayew is the, you know, I keep hearing and reading nonsense from people about, oh, I never seen, well, this, want to see this bloke wear a Palace shirt again and this sort of reactionary rubbish. And, uh, you know, Jordan Ayew... If you'd have asked me five weeks ago, would I be picking him? The answer would be no, because I thought he looked a bit off it. And although he was industrious, wasn't bringing us enough. I'd say to you for the next four or five weeks, he's been our best player by a distance. So, you know, I think there's there has to be sort of balance and understanding and a realization that people go through Phases in form and there are lots of other things going on in the world and around their life and and people do come back so that's my only real disappointment Jim yesterday is that the result didn't go our way
0: and some of the behaviour of some of the fans
2: towards Luca in particular I thought was appalling really.
0: I yeah. just on the on the point of Luca I actually ended up after seeing there was so much vitriol towards him on Twitter Horrible. um Horrible. and and I watched it back so I watched the first half this morning because I missed it yesterday um and I, I I actually it was interesting because West Ham set up specifically to make it difficult for Luca you, you if you watch the first half Lanzini spends pretty much the entire time shadowing where Luca was always between essentially just between the defense and Luca and so when wherever Luca went you had Lanzini shadowing him and that pressure was it, it told because at at one point the the minute that Luca's kind of attention span dropped just a little bit which you said where you overcommitted in the in the press a bit too high up that was where Lanzini was just like he was on it in a shock, and I, th- I do feel like some of the the the, the stuff we're seeing about Lucas is, is excessive. He hasn't been great. The mistake that he made for the penalty, it was un- it, it was frustrating because of the timing. But I also think that th- there's some mitigation there. The way the ball bounced up, it was. I, I don't mm. think he was expecting it to bounce like it did. It's unlucky it, it, rather than than anything, wasn't it? I, yeah, and I also find I do find it a little bit frustrating when you see <laughs> players. Gesticulating with the referee after a VAR decision, where it's very obviously not—you know—you're claiming that it hit you on the upper arm. It didn't, Luca. So you just have to kind of accept that. But I, I do think that we're going to have to you know, people Palace fans who aren't fans of Luca are going to have to get used to it because he's going to be in that team because Chiaretti is going to the Afghan, and so Vieira was very clearly. Um, you know, full of praise for him. And, and, and whether that's, whether that's just a case of trying to build him up or whether it's a case of, of, you know, uh, of, of not being entirely honest. I don't know, but, but I think, I didn't think Luca was that dreadful. The mistake that he made for the penalty, it was awful, but footballers make mistakes, you know, uh, as I said, Gay Gay made a mistake, Let well, essentially let the, the, let Antonio run. It was a really good run from Antonio for, for the goal. And Anderson missed the flight of that cross. You know, all of these things, mistakes happen and it, it shouldn't have. And I don't, I don't think we should really be as abusive of, of Luca as, as I've seen. Let's
3: uh, bring Dom in for, let's talk about the, the handball then, because, um, well, just, just on Luca in general, when I left the ground, i normally leave with my dad. So I'm not like, talking about Palace or whatever. And I didn't. So I, just sort of in the crowd hearing snippets of people's conversations and every single conversation was about Luca, and every single conversation was negative people were saying what why is he in the team I can't believe he picks him when I was thinking well he's got no choice literally the only other midfield choice is Gyro who also came on and and wasn't that effective so at the moment because of our injuries and Covid and whatever he didn't have a choice but to pick Luca. I think given the choice of everyone fit Luca wouldn't be starting I think he'd be fourth or fifth down the pecking order but obviously the the handball leading to what was in the end the decisive goal is what people are going to remember I also agree with Rob I don't think he was particularly terrible but he did make this slight mistake for the handball what was your view on the penalty itself Dom because my memory from where I was sitting I can still see it in my mind now was that it was definitely handball because everyone around us went oh he's got away with that but in my head, it was about two yards outside the box. I don't know if that's because he was jumping and in the air, and then watching their replays back, it's it looks does look inside. But what was your view
1: on it? It was the right decision. I mean, it, you can you can criticise the referee for not giving it because he's actually looking at Luca as he makes the leap and he has his arm out, but. That, you know, it's actually a VAR probably working correctly and and giving the right decision. It was a penalty. It was careless. I've got a slightly different take on the midfield. I mean, I do have a lot of sympathy for Luka Milivojevic because I don't think he would have been in that team until very late on in the day. He wouldn't have been preparing to play. Palace weren't preparing to play him. It was Ciccoyote he was going to be in that role. And I think it would have made a massive difference to Palace's performance had Ciccoyote been playing. Um, but when he failed a COVID test, Late on in the day, quite late, about midday on on the day of the game, um, all your plans are ripped up, um, and Milovic is is thrown in. I, I don't know this this probably won't get me any any favours, but Alan Pardew called it right in his post match comments on Sky. He, he 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 was he was caught cold while the whole thing. I I didn't think he was at it at all. I didn't think our Field was at it at all. I think in the first half. And then it, I think the whole tone of the, the game changed at halftime because West Ham were 3-0 up and they did pretty much, they played as we did in the second half against Norwich. Uh, almost like seeing it through to the end. Um... I thought our our midfield was horrifically porous in that first half. I thought they played through us far too easily. And the the, the outstanding player on the pitch in the entire game was Declan Rice. And he absolutely dominated midfield. And it was eminently predictable that was going to happen. Selzy and I spoke about it in the build-up to the game. Declan Rice's return from suspension for this game was a massive blow for Palace. (laughs) Because without him, we would have won that game. We would have won that game because they wouldn't have had the same dominance in midfield, and we would have still pinged those lovely passes through to our forward line. Going, don't get me wrong, going forward in the in the build-up play, I thought the midfield were excellent. That they, they fizzed those passes through to to Edouard, to Benteke, to to IU's feet really, really well, and we cut them cut through them well. We just didn't have the ruthlessness up, up top in the first period. But but when you're playing against players who can can counter in a, a Canyon Karen Kearney's Karen Kearney's um, analysis of that second goal was absolutely brilliant. All three of our midfielders try to do a press. They're completely off the pace on it for the second goal. They all try and do it. And actually Declan Rice sees them trying to do that and just drops off a bit into space, receives the ball counters goal. Um, and I, I thought that was the story of the first half after about 10 minutes when uh, West Ham settled into the match that they they pretty much held sway in the centre of the midfield, and and were three 0 up at half time. And quite frankly, <laughs> you know, they've won the game in that period. That's 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 what they've done. And it's, it's a, it was they'll look at it actually, and for all their the the, the praise that they offered post match and Michael Antonio, it was lovely hearing him saying Palace were great. But you know, <laughs> I, 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 taking praise from an opposition who's just beaten you and scored three goals in your on your home territory means nothing quite frankly they could say anything um, we shouldn't be we shouldn't be taking crumbs of comfort from that I'd much rather be horrible to play against than beating these teams 1-0 quite honestly sometimes but we were open and but that's that is that isn't that isn't necessarily a criticism of Luka Milovievic per se that is a that is, that is just the situation that Palace are in they lose a key player on the not on the eve of the game a couple of hours before the game uh, and that just throws the plans. And it, and it also makes it interesting how we move ahead now because whether Chiate goes to AFCON or not, he's got COVID. He's going to be missing for for a while. He's probably going to be missing for a month. Um, and I think we saw how important he is to Palace's set-up, really, defensively more than anything else in that game. So we've got some pretty big games coming up in this next month. So he's going to have to find a, a, a way of... Of shoring up that midfield and making it making it more aggressive and defensively sound and and the answer to that isn't going to be throwing Ebro Gese into it, which is what was being mooted on Twitter, doing most of that. you know let us get him on, let's just go for break because we all get cut to pieces by the teams that we are playing this month if we do that in that way. we We need to find a a way of being more defensively stable, and that may well be reverting to Luca as a defensive as the six in that system and putting will hughes as an eight because it was confused as to who was playing that role in that in that game
3: thanks for listening the full episode of this fyp podcast post match extra pod is available at patreon.com forward slash fyp podcast that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash fyp podcast